0: Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever—the only movie podcast. I just shook my webcam to offer nothing but objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcast with no name, comrade, and with me, as always, as far back as he can remember, he's always wanted to be a gangster. It's Anthony James. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That. I don't Anthony. know that. Re- I don't know that reference. I don't know that reference. Ah, there's a there's a subset of our listeners who have just. Palmed their faces in incredulity and we'll get to that later because it's an absolute classic oh hang on hang on i know it i know it yeah i know it yeah. although i go from rags to riches that's all i'm saying like that hang on isn't that isn't that very very relevant to the first film we're going to be covering too uh it is actually yeah, <laughs> yeah oh yeah, wow actually... we're gonna get yeah okay so before <laughs> we get into that the the, the keen ear among you may have started putting together a few pieces of this podcast <laughs> but for those of you who don't know what we're talking about don't Worry, all will become clear. We're doing a movie diary this week where we talk about all the things that we have seen since the last time we did one of these, and it's been a while because we did our, our wrestling themed episode last week. The people loved it. The people couldn't get I, enough geez. of it. <laughs> you know what? If we if we want compliments,
1: Conrad, all we got to do is do do a topic that no one cares about. Yeah, do a everyone topic everyone that no one cares about. Yet. and Everyone <laughs> will be like,
0: I thought it was gonna hate this, and and to be honest, I don't care about <laughs> the sport at all. But you know, you guys were all right, and that those were lovely compliments. If we can make yeah, thank you. If we can make you if we can sort of maintain your general malaise towards a subject but make you listen to us talking about it anyway that's job done as far as I'm concerned
1: next week hot dog eating competitions films that's oh my we'll god do. Kobayashi Beethoven Beethoven is that is the first one Is there a, there's a Beethoven those, film yeah one help.
0: of the Beethoven's definitely features a hot dog um, eating competition as do many children's films, I'm gonna I'm gonna say. It's, it's, it's a natural foil for comedy. Um, but yeah, so we're doing a movie diary this week. Um, if you are new to the show, please uh, check out our, our other stuff on the Coach Cave on YouTube. Subscribe to us on podcasting apps if you haven't done that already. We're the best movie podcast ever. Give the show a like. Get involved in the comments. But other than that, I say it's time to talk about some movies. Let's do it. Movies. We all know what they are. We all know that we're here to talk about them by now. If you don't know that, I don't know what you're doing here. But stick around anyway. We need the views. Um, <laughs> we're we're gonna start this off. I think we we've got a we've stumbled upon a theme. I'm gonna say this week, mm-hmm. um, unbeknownst to me, or or really even to you, uh, there's the, a pattern has emerged in our watching habits this week. Um, so I'm gonna say, Anthony, why don't you lead the way? Uh, okay, so with, with something. If if the plan has come to fruition the name of this
1: episode is is Robert De Niro ruining the legacy of his career uh, and of course this is in reference to his new film which has come out The War with Grandpa Now yeah. it's actually called The War with Grandpa but I'm seeing on IMDb here it's down as War with Grandpa and then it says The War with Grandpa original title which makes me think somewhere in the world there was already a film called War with Grandpa which what's we, going on here
0: uh, Yeah or yeah or I I guess maybe they Called it War with Grandpa anticipating but maybe there might be a sequel to this lucrative franchise and then when this film came out they're like well we probably should salt the earth of that one and just call it The War with Grandpa so like, don't worry this is the only one there's not going to be any more of these It's funny you say that because the film does
1: tease at the very end that the war might be still going on Oh okay Uh okay so basically before I get into the actual film let's let's start the discussion Conrad so you know the past like I'd say the last two decades really Like probably maybe meet the parents started it off. Robert De Niro has been taking a lot of roles in these very substandard family comedy films. Yes, that seem to be relegating him to the point in which people of like the next generation coming through, like fifteen year olds. It seems like all Robert De Niro is going to be is whenever they get to they get to like eighteen years old and they finally watch Godfather Two. He's like a trivia point. Yeah, it's like their parents go. You oh, see him. It's, it's the guy from Meet He's the, Fox. the Old. He, yeah, he's the old man from the War with Grandpa. You know what <laughs> I mean? And the and the eighteen year olds are like, what? Yeah, I you can't know? believe he was a good actor once.
0: Yeah. So what do you think about his uh his his?
1: Like, at the same time, he's making money. What do you think? Yeah.
0: So I think I, I have um, I've 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 read a few things from 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 the big man himself, big 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 Bobby D, um, talking about his motivation for doing this, which is essentially that he got to a point in his career where he had so many like accolades and so much acclaim that he was like, you know what? I'm just going to make some money with my big films and that will allow me to finance, uh, you know, putting his grandkids through college and also allow him to work on smaller stuff for less money. To be honest, I've not seen any of the smaller films that he kind of, I believe said he wanted to work on there. I've really only seen him turn up in these kind of movies, or I guess stuff like the Irishman, um, in recent... That was sort of a callback, one, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, that was you know Scorsese basically being like, "Come, come back, Bobby. Come, come in for yeah, the calls." and cold. He, he was
1: in. He was in Joker, I suppose, as well. He was. Uh, yeah. that, that again seemed like he, he would have only he wouldn't have done. that. He wasn't like looking for a more serious role. He just did it because of the callbacks to King of Comedy. Yeah. Because if you have joke, if you have him in it, you can't say it's plagiarism. But uh, <laughs> but, but but yeah, like so, definitely, he's been on this strange path. Uh,
0: so. I don't know. Like, where do you fall at? Do you? I, do you... I, I think. Life, I, I think it doesn't like. Obviously, like in the cold light of day, it, Robert De Niro putting in a bad performance or, or being in a shitty film in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one doesn't make his performance in, um, let's say, a movie like Goodfellas, for instance, mm-hmm. um, any any less uh, interesting or, or or less appealing. I, I do kind of think. I don't. I, it's hard to, to to like kind of. You don't want to be too judgmental of someone's someone else's career choices, but it is a little bit disappointing to me that it. I think it does tarnish his legacy slightly. That yeah. it puts an asterisk at the end of his career, being like, watch everything that Robert De Niro was in up until the year nineteen ninety five, um, and then after that, basically just watch. I don't know, like the Irishman and Joker. I don't even think I put Joker in there, to be honest. So not Certainly not for the I, Robert De Niro it's, performance. It's better than Meet the Fockers, like. I mean, it is, yeah, but I think if I was going to recommend someone... I I, I thought Joker oh, that's was okay. yeah, That's
1: more of a Joaquin Phoenix vehicle.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, watch it for the Joaquin mean, for For stuff where it's like, oh, you need to see Robert De Niro's performance in this. Yeah. When, you, when you compare it to, you know, like, Raging Bull or, you know, Mean Streets. Where, like, these movies that are, like, defined by an amazing yeah. performance from Robert De Niro. I can't think of that many that he's turned in in the last 25-odd years. Uh, which is sad, I think. I, I, I'm not too judgmental about it, but... Because you know we don't truck in hyperbole here on the best movie podcast ever, but at the same time, I do think it has tarnished his legacy slightly. What, what, what do you what do you think? I think so. Like to be honest with you, I'm going to assume you didn't t- like the war with Grandpa as well. <laughs> as well, like
1: yeah, no, I didn't laugh once. So I, I'm gonna I'll mention a few things about it. I don't want to go too long on it, but I will mention a few things about it. But um, I think we all know what it's about and we know what it's going to be like. But but basically, in terms of Robert De Niro, I I think. Because of the generation we are, I, he's he's actually always been like in meet the parents for me. He's always been this guy who had the great career before. So personally, for me, I already feel like his legacy is tarnished for me already. Like yeah. in my generation, I already feel that way. Um, and I don't know, like I always compare him to Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know why, because it, in my mind, like they they there was talk that Robert De Niro was this big like method actor you know yeah and like he he took his art form very seriously um but the thing is i can't that doesn't really jibe with what i see as robert de niro in the last 20 years whereas the same things are said about uh, daniel de lewis and look at him he's living up in a mountain of wicklow somewhere hasn't made a film in like five years might never again because yeah. he, he cares about the, the, the art form having said that i can't blame the guy i can't blame him but i just mean even for my generation i feel that he, his legacy has been tarnished because i when i think of when i think of robert de niro I do think of Godfather too. I do think of Goodfellas, but I also think of Meet the Parents. You know? Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that is kind of it is slightly depressing that that it, that even like everyone makes bad movies occasionally. You know, pay the bills, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it, it, I don't think only like it's, it's for us to judge that, but it is slightly depressing to me that when people when all all is said and done on Robert De Niro's career, people are going there are there are going to be people who remember him for Meet the Parents. Um which in a career as kind of rich as his is a bit like oh guys come on please yeah, like, exactly. go go and watch raging bull please exactly so basically
1: what with my grandpa
0: yeah it's it was it's very different born. from bad grandpa i'm assuming the johnny knoxville <laughs> maybe from well the thing is robert de niro was in another
1: film a few years ago called bad
0: grandpa oh was he in bad grandpa as well no, 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 there's two Bad oh Grandpas. What is going on with this? Is this an extended yeah. universe that I'm not aware of? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Grandpaverse. People, people were saying, like, you know, if you've seen Bad Grandpa,
1: I was like, yeah, that Johnny Knoxville film, that's actually, like, you know, off-the-wall comedy and stuff. You know, I enjoyed it. And yeah. they're like, no, 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 uh, you know, the Robert De Niro one. Oh, you mean, like, the Little the little Fockers type thing? No, I didn't see that. Um, but that's basically what this is. The War with Grandpa is every Robert De Niro from the last... 20 years rolled into one. The premise is that he has to come and stay with his uh, family, his daughter's family, because he was caught shoplifting and he needs to be Classic. minded, basically. I mean, that's the number one thing in the trailer is this yeah. shoplifting moment where he can't work the till that's automatic, so he just runs out with the stuff, um, gets tackled by a security guard. Okay. Um, which is really strange. There's a couple of really weird decisions in this film. Like, right, So at that moment, his little grandson, Peter, who he eventually has a war with, is in is in the uh, school. And he's talking, like, saying, like, you know, How's, how was your summer? And he's like, uh, it wasn't very good. My grandpa came to stay with me because he was caught shoplifting. And then it does, like, a family guy-style, guy like, immediate cutaway to a flashback of his grandfather stealing. Okay. But then that flashback lasts the rest of the film. Oh, Okay. <laughs> like it's just, it was literally like a family guy flashback and it just lasted the rest of the film well so um, so the
0: rest of the film is catching up to that moment that it's like a it's like a record scratch moment where it's like this is me you're probably wondering i got here and then- <laughs> no, uh, that, it's 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 not like baba o'reilly
1: playing over emil hirsch at the start of uh the girl next door it's yeah. not that at all it's it's not that at all it actually is like they never actually come back to that moment like at the end of the film, they don't okay. come back. to That moment, right? So, what is the what's yeah. the per- what purpose does it serve? I don't know. It was it was weird. <laughs> they did do they did one other Family Guy style flashback back joke later as well, but that was actually used as a proper flashback joke. Okay, it's, I don't know. Something was lost in translation. I don't know what was going on, but basically, <laughs> yeah. So there's a few there's a few uh, points to this film, right? So basically, the whole idea is that they start doing pranks to each other because um, the grandpa takes his bed bedroom, but he wants his bedroom back. He's up in the in the attic. Sure. Things ranging, Yeah, things ranging from the grandpa destroying his castle in like a Minecraft type game, um, which he's been working on for three years apparently. Uh, three years. Which come on. <laughs> three, yeah, three years. Come on. You know, it didn't look that impressive either. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh also stuff like um gluing a jar of marbles to it's just, just pranks. Just, pranks. just, just pranks. harmless just, pranks. Harmless fun. Just a prank. Just a prank, bro. Um, but it starts like a, Snowballing out of control and taking uh and like really hurting the rest of the family. Like Uh-oh. Uma Thurman plays plays the mum in this, by the way. Oh. Uh very, very strange to see her in this as well. Yeah. Um but but yeah, like I've got a few notes here about, about it. First thing is uh Christopher Walken does appear. Great. Does he uh, play Chris-
0: an equally cantankerous old old man?
1: Yeah, he's Christopher I the way I would describe his performance is Christopher Walken does his best Christopher Walken impression. Sure. You know, that's that's all I can really say uh here and just yeah, <laughs> it's it is what it is. I didn't laugh once. Good. I didn't. I didn't laugh once. There was a whole strange storyline of Uma Thurman not wanting to accept. Like, it was quite interesting, I suppose. But the way it was the way it was put across was very strange. Uma Thurman didn't want to um, accept her teenage daughter's relationship with a boyfriend, uh, and then in the end she did. But the thing is, right? That played a huge, huge thing, like a huge part of the end of the film this boyfriend um, okay. with, the, with the teenage daughter. The teenage daughter appeared on the screen for about 20 seconds before the last 20 minutes of the film. Oh, okay. I'm not even joking. Because, I mean,
0: it, like if you were, you know, if you wanted to, like, make this as generic as possible, you would have Robert De Niro's character imparting little pearls of wisdom to the various members of the family that help resolve... The young sister's boyfriend issues, or something, and they t- they realize. Oh, he did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, great. So it is completely generic. Then. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good to know. Because uh, yeah, you know, that's 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 how you write that script. Is you say like, look, maybe Grandpa isn't such a burden after all. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's Wait, good I mean, to know I, that they haven't taken any risks.
1: I, 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 there was no risks taken. <laughs> there was there was strange stuff like. I don't know. Like it's it's. There was a boat chase when they were fishing illegally. Sure, there was there was a, a repeated joke of Uma Thurman throwing things on a police officer. It's it, it was just standard. No risks taken. Not really. You're not looking for risks from this film, but you at least want it to be put across in a funny way and in a heartwarming way. Ah, ah didn't get didn't get that from it at all. It was Kevin James um, in this movie?
0: It sounds like suspiciously like a Kevin James no, movie no. to me.
1: He's he's actually not. But I will say, see if you have a moment where you've got four old people. Uh, and four young people having a dodgeball fight together, yeah. right? And th- it's very clear that there's only one girl in each group of of them. Yeah. The way that you show that you're not sexist as a filmmaker is to have those two be like al have a like an unspoken allyship and always talk about girl power. Like, don't don't come on. Don't make don't make like two of them girls. No 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 no. Just don't, don't no. make two out of the four of each team girls what you want to do is just have one of each yeah and then you can just say that they have girl power and that covers that that checks the box for you
0: yeah and like and as we know only a quarter of the world's population are women and they are yeah. always talking about being women that's all yeah. they took. That's how all women define yeah. their identities: is is we are women. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about writing anything more than that. There's no more complexity mm-hmm. to them. I assure you. Um, th- th- th-
1: this film captures that
0: perfectly. <laughs> so it's very realistic in that regard. Okay, yeah. that's good to know that, that that it's really hitting some hitting some high notes as far as uh, as far as plot and that na- and narrative complexity. Um yeah. Well, that sounds do like not f- recommend. Do not recommend. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a fucking shit show, to be honest. And I'm not that surprised by it. Um, Okay, so I'm, I am, I tell you what, there was one I was going to open with, There's a 2021 film that's quite a big release, but we'll come to that after this, because I think that this, this Robert De Niro moratorium, it's a moratorium when someone's dead, maybe I shouldn't say that. It, the, the, it's something to do with the death, I don't know what it has to do with death, but it's yeah. something to do with death. I don't wish death on Robert De Niro, right, I, I'm very, I'm a big fan of Robert De Niro, please yeah, don't. I, I like
1: him as a person too.
0: Yeah, he seems like a good guy. He seems he seems to he's in that kind of Harrison Ford mold of like old man who just doesn't give a shit anymore, which I can respect. Like I love, like when, yeah, I love like all all the young celebrities like coming
1: out and really like you know like pushing agendas and stuff. Or you know, agendas aren't always bad, but like no. pu- pushing the political thing, saying like you know spelling out how Trump was bad, whereas Robert De Niro comes out and
0: goes fuck Trump, yeah, fuck him, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> hey, um, gotta respect it. So. I I think that naturally segues us into uh, a rewatch for me. This is one of my favorite movies. Uh it's an absolute stone cold classic. It's uh, 1990s Goodfellas. Um directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Ray Liotta, Rob De Niro obviously, Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of the seminal rise and fall gangster movie in a lot of ways, but it it's it's this kind of it, it it's a it's just this 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 wonderfully constructed narrative that it, it it runs for about two and a half hours, but it never feels like it. It's all it it does so much with the characters that it has there are so many like interweaving arcs it shifts seamlessly from the the kind of 50s and 60s when henry hill the radio's character is coming up to to the 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 70s to i believe it kind of gets to the early 80s by the end um and it's just a, an absolute masterpiece of of cinema um i think the the soundtrack is phenomenal um it's, it's got that classic like we it's almost like a it's almost like a trope now of gangster movies to have these kind of like uh, crooner uh, songs in them from the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. But Martin Scorsese was like kind of the guy who who created that. Um, yeah. Not just I I, I mean he was he did do stuff like Mean Streets before this, which is technically also a gangster movie. But this is like the gangster movie to really nail that. Um and 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 this is quite frankly s- simply one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, I I would mm. recommend anyone watch this movie. Yeah, no, I,
1: I have fond memories of this movie, too. I, I, I haven't... um I've only seen it once, uh, a good few years ago now. Um, and I, can't, I can't, can't remember. Actually, it's probably time to rewatch it, actually, because there's a lot of details that are fuzzy in my mind about it. But I, I, as you say, I remember I remember loving it. I, lo- I love a film. We've talked about it in the podcast before. I love a film that sort of chronicles someone's life for a big span of their life, yeah. you know, and goes through the years. I do, I do love that. Um, and, yeah, I, I have very fond memories of this film. Martin Scorsese, one of his best, um, mm. you know... Yeah, so this is probably like a really good like sort of yin yin and yang. So we got yeah. like, the best of uh, Rob De Niro and the worst. Yeah,
0: I, I think I think um, De Niro is like Jimmy Conway in this. I don't know if I I don't know if I'd say it's it's his most complex performance because his character he's mm. one of the few who doesn't get too much of an arc but he embodies his like he, he embodies jimmy conway with so much character as as um as joe pesci does uh, for tommy devito actually um and uh, uh, joe pesci uh, famously won an, an oscar for for his performance in this they have such like charisma and presence that it's mm-hmm. it's it is astounding how 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 great they are in this movie. And I think this this is a great example of a of a movie that would be amazing even with lesser actors in it. But the the performances from the three leads just elevate this. Um and, and the technical aspects are amazing as well. So obviously a lot of people go on about the 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 really um striking steady cam shot where uh Henry Hill is taking his uh soon to be wife uh, in the back of the Copa, uh, you know they want to skip the queue, so it, like follows them through this 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 kind of maze of kitchens and and um, you know, back rooms at the Copa, and it, you know brilliantly lit, great blocking with with actors coming in and out of shot, um, incredibly complex. Um, but it also has, and this is really I, I wanted to talk to you about this because. I, a lot of people I've heard say this is quite cheesy but it has one of my favorite needle drop moments in a movie ever by needle drop I mean a moment where you, you've got your score and then suddenly you know something's mm-hmm. going on in the scene and then suddenly the needle on the record player drops and a song is introduced into the scene and it immediately mm-hmm. like changes the tone um, and the, the the scene in this that I absolutely love is the moment after what's called the uh, the Lufthansa heist uh, where Jimmy Conway essentially decides that he's going to kill a bunch of people involved in the heist um, to kind of secure his own interests in it Um, and it's just this slow zoom of Jimmy Conway Robert De Niro's character at a bar smoking while Sunshine of Your Love by Cream plays and I love it I remember I I saw it for the first time when I was probably about 17 uh, and I was like that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a film Um, and I still think so now to be honest
1: Sunshine of Your Love of course famous for being part of Guitar Hero 3
0: (laughs) (laughs) yep that's what it's famous for (laughs) <laughs> don't let don't let Eric Clapton tell you any different. Actually no, hold on. Was was he was he I think he was in Cream. I'm not sure. Now. Yeah, I feel like Eric Clapton was in Cream. I may have just exposed my lack of 70s rock knowledge there. Yeah, I'm always certain that Sunshine of Your Love was, was Or have you? Let us know in the comments. Yeah. Get that engagement up. Get, uh, get that Cream talk in the in the yeah, comments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Put that Cream in the comments guys. Yeah. We know Cream rises to the top. Put it down in the comments, yeah. right, guys? Uh, like, the, uh, <laughs> what I'll say is, um, I I need to watch this film again. Like, I remember mm. Joe Pesci. I, actually, this is what I'll say, right? We've just talked about Robert De Niro and how he sort of his legacy is sort of ruined for me, even because you know just meet the parents and stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: but jo- I grew up with Joe Pesci, obviously. In you Home, Alone. Home Alone, yeah, I, I, yeah, he is great obviously. in Home Alone, though. Like, he is great like, in Home Alone. He is, No, he is. But I will say this. When I think of Joe Pesci, the first thing I think of is Goodfellas, yeah. and I saw Good—I saw Goodfellas a good ten years at least after I saw Home Alone. Like yeah. Goodfellas is not a childhood film of mine, whereas Home Alone is. But yeah. Joe Pesci was able oh, with this performance yeah. to rise above that.
0: Now
1: I'm not saying that Robert De Niro also didn't have a performance <laughs> as good as Joe Pesci in this, that, which made him rise above and Meet the Parents. But I don't know what it is. It's, it's something about Joe Pesci, which the. The Home Alone definitely is there, but I, it's separate for me in a way. I, I mean,
0: he, like Joe Pesci, I think, is probably more charismatic, or the character he's playing is more charismatic than Jimmy Conway, which I think helps. So, you know, Robert, uh, uh, like, Jimmy Conway doesn't get a single scene that is as defining for a character as, as uh, Tommy DeVito's funny. How like I'm a fucking clown. Like I'm here to yeah, amuse yeah, yeah. you like that, that. That was a terrible impersonation. I apologize to any Italian Americans or Italians.
1: No nowhere near No nowhere near pitched. Yeah.
0: I can't, I can't get there. I haven't got it in the register, but you know, that was my, that was my honest uh, Joe Pesci attempt. Um, but you know that scene is you know parodied all there's loads of bits of goodfellas that are that are parodied at this point because it's such a such a famous and well-loved movie but that yeah. that uh, you know a funny how scene is such a brilliant scene just because of how it like goes from the charisma of tommy devito like everyone's laughing and you feel like you're part of the part of the you know the the gang who are laughing at the stories to this immediate tension and then back to laughing and it's it's incredibly funny and then incredibly tense and then incredibly funny again and it's all in his performance um yeah. which you know he, he is amazing in it i think um robert de niro is more of a he's more of a like kind of persistent mysterious slight slash slightly threatening character in this um i think if i was if I was looking for a, a kind of career-defining performance for De Niro in the same way that, that Pesky uh, Pesci's um, got in, in Goodfellas, I'd probably look at something like Raging Bull. Um, but it's all of comedy. I'm telling you, and, and King of, King of, comedy, of comedy. Yeah, I still haven't seen King of Comedy, but I've heard amazing things mm-hmm. about that. Um, I think it's also difficult for De Niro because he's had so many great movies, whereas Joe Pesci yeah. um, had less. <laughs> like yeah, and may, and, and,
1: yeah and maybe that's why because my mind goes to Goodfellas for him mm. whereas Robert De Niro my mind doesn't go really anywhere because he's got so many good ones yeah. and so many bad ones yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely um, but but yeah so Goodfellas I, I I don't think I need to say that much about it if you haven't seen this movie it is amazing it's one of the best gangster movies and one of the best just full stop movies ever made so do yourself a favour seek it out
1: yeah awesome okay uh, good stuff we're going to go to my next one then yeah let's do it Okay, so my next one, um, cast your mind back to 1992. Hold uh, oh, on one second. Year... Okay, I'm in
0: 1992. Whitney Houston is top of the charts. <laughs> the bodyguard I was is in one cinemas. Year, I
1: was one year old. Remember it well. I remember yeah. it well. Um, three years before the uh, stick up the throat incident. We'll talk about it another time. But uh, <laughs> basically, okay, so basically I'm asking you to cast back time. Robert Zemeckis was king of the world, right? He was he was up. He's added Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. Yep. He's, work, he's, he's got a film in production. Forrest Gump's coming. He's riding high. Of years. Yeah, he's got another couple of years coming. What does he choose to do between Back to the Future 3 and Forrest Gump? I don't even know what this movie is. What did he choose to
0: do between Back to the Future 3 and Forrest Gump?
1: <laughs> Death Becomes Her, starring Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, and Goldie Hawn. Oh, is this the one now- where
0: she dies and comes back as a ghost?
1: No, she's not a ghost. She's like, she takes a potion that makes her like, basically, she can't die. So like, she's technically dead, but she's like, not dead. Yeah, Um, I know exactly what this may (laughs) be. I did not realize this was really uh, Robert Zemeckis. That's interesting. Robert Zemeckis, two years before Forrest Gump. So this is such an interesting take. If you were to watch this now, right, without knowing the context of when it was made, you might just think terrible film from back in the day. But the fact of the matter is, this was made in 1992. This, this film is 100% a callback to Rocky Horror Picture Show, Little Shop of Horrors. You know, those farcical, over-the-top, uh, comedy, sci-fi things. Yeah, like, like comedy horror,
0: almost. Like,
1: com- comedy horror, yeah. It's, def- it's calling back to them. In the, even in, in the way it's shot... It, does, it doesn't look like it's made in 1992. Hmm. If you were to watch this film, you would assume it was made late 70s, early 80s. You you would just assume that, yeah, because of the style of the camera work, the style like the costumes. Bruce Willis has these huge glasses with the mustache. He looks like <laughs> he looks like he's something out of Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. It's it's really crazy and it's funny and uh, just I, I, if you haven't seen this film, go and watch it because. You know, by no means is this a, is this a is this a classic, but it, but it is calling back to classics of this this genre, which is hard to pin down for me. It's like a very particular farcical. It almost feels
0: like a Noel Coward play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it, it's got goddamn Meryl Streep in it, so like it's it's you know, there's some quality yeah, here.
1: Like yeah, Meryl Streep does a good job in it. Like, but but it is very over the top. Like mm-hmm. it's meant to be. You know, um, it's very much like Blade Spirit. Like, so Blade Spirit was an all cow play where one wife comes back from the uh, as a back as a ghost through a medium. Uh, you know, sort of uh, looking looking for her in the afterworld or afterlife. Whatever you say. But it's like that.
0: Uh, but it's made in 1992, and it's. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what are the writers of this? I've just looked this up because I, I, I have seen Death Becomes Her, but not for a long time. I saw it when I was a kid. I vaguely remember on the cover uh, is a um, someone is holding Goldie Horn's severed head um, and she's kind of making it like... oh Face. <laughs> like, face. To, like, to let you know it's alright, it's a seven head, but it's a comedy. She's alright. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, she,
1: she can't feel anything.
0: Yeah, I, I'm almost certain that happens at some point in this movie. I haven't seen it for a long time, but, but I've just looked up who was involved in this. Fucking David Coep um, wrote this. Who also, he, he wrote, uh, I think he wrote Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, and something else that was a really big movie. Obviously, Jurassic Park was adapted from the Michael Crichton yeah. novel, but what's going on, Robert? <laughs> like, like, like This is the, is the thing, Conrad, is that that's like watching
1: this film. The reason why I actually really liked it was because watching it, it's made in 1992, as I say. But the style and the the genre of this film, it is very much a callback to late 70s, early 80s, just farcical farcical yeah. comedy horror. And and because of that, the people who were involved, Robert Zemeckis, David Coep, as you say, Meryl Streep, I got the impression like this was like a, a little passion project for them. Yeah. Uh, and they and because they're such great such such good at so so good at their job they were able to actually really make it authentic and feel like a film from that time yeah. to the point where it actually doesn't really come across as anything special it just feels
0: like a film from 15 years before it was made i i need to check this out in 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 my adult life because i don't remember it being that pulpy but it sounds like that's kind of what you're what you're describing there is something that's very it's much of as
1: where it's like it's not as pulpy like it definitely knew the year it was being made in in terms of that mm. but there is like heads being turned around like they they were they were utilizing modern techniques to sort of bring their own touch to it as well like they did have some
0: cgi and stuff for meryl Streep's head being twisted about and stuff oh like, yeah i guess it was meryl Streep who had a head cut off um and on the on the cover probably not goldie horn now i think Ah, uh, yeah well
1: well basically goldie horn plays goldie horn plays the partner of bruce willis um so Bruce Willis is Dr. Er- Ernest Menville and Goldie Hawn is Helen Sharp and they're like together at the start. But yeah. then within the first five minutes, Meryl Streep's character, Madeline Ashton, uh, steals Bruce Willis away. Uh, and this is like the fourth boyfriend who has went from Goldie Hawn's character to Meryl Streep's character. Oh, okay. So th- and, then it- and then it does a seven years later card and Goldie Hawn's character is in like a mental institution and she's like really overweight and it Classic. keeps focusing in on a, a really overweight bomb. by the way. It's oh. really weird. Like it just keeps showing it. A you know, great really... fat
0: shaming humor of the early nineties. Yeah.
1: So she's just really fat. And then, and then what happens is, is that, um, she realizes, Oh my God, I'll, I'm going to get my, 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 own back at her. And then it goes seven years later again, <laughs> and straight away, straight away. <laughs> I love that. Just 14 years. Don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> yeah, she's lost all the weight. And oh, she's great back to get her, get her man back. Um, but uh, Meryl Streep basically, then she's she's in the public eye and she's an actress and she wants to be forever young. So she gets word on the street of this particular uh, place she can go, which she can get some potion which will make her forever young. Is is she um, sold
0: it by an offensive Asian stereotype? No, she sold it by Isabella Rossellini. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, Isabella that's still Isabella Rossellini. Wearing nothing but gems, covering herself. Yeah, sure, okay. So vaguely offensive in its own way, but uh, mm-hmm. not not the not the stereotype. I, I assumed that they were going to use. No, 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 not 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 at all that. But so um, the eggs on white yeah. yeah, it is definitely. <laughs> so
1: so Meryl Streep takes this stuff. She she ages, you know, back to thirty or whatever she's meant to be, and yeah. So the rest of the film is a bit of a farce and it's really <laughs> yeah. good fun yeah it's really good fun and it just it, it, it's it, it feels out of place in a way it's like it was made far too late but in the same way it's it's got a bit like i like it for that it's also got a little bit of i suppose it's just because of the de-aging but it's got a little bit of hocus pocus in there too yeah it um, sounds
0: like it sounds like it's got a little bit of that in it and um mm. yeah i kind of I, I i hadn't i'd never realized that this was a robert zemeckis movie and it's really odd timing for him career wise yeah. but but i guess i mean you know back to the future kind of proved that if you get a genre film that he cares about he can do really really good stuff um and it sounds like you know maybe this is the case with this one as well i, I feel like i should check this out it's just good fun you yeah, know just, good, just fun. good clean fun um yeah. okay so i'm i'm gonna talk about something that is also kind of good clean fun um in a slightly different way um we were always going to have to talk about this. The... In French. <laughs> Wait, hold on. In French, did you just say? You said you're going to talk about it in a slightly different way. Oh, I see. Yeah, nine in in Deutsch. I, I... <laughs> My German's going to fail me almost immediately. Carter. I think that's no Carter's ticket. I can't remember what film is in German. Anyway, we'll get. We're going to move past this bit. It's losing its legs. Um, <laughs> like so. Um, I've been meaning to watch this movie. We did mention it briefly all the way back in. Episode 2 or 3 of this, I think. We saw the trailer for it. I think we discussed it on air. The trailer did look really cool. And um, I'll say this now. The stuff that they showed in the trailer for this movie, when viewed in the context of the film, was still pretty awesome. Uh, this is 2021's Godzilla vs. Kong. Bam, 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 Um It's... This movie is... As dumb as a bag of hammers <laughs> is the first thing I'm <laughs> gonna say about it. It is fucking stupid. Um, it was written by Eric Pearson and Max Borenstein, but if you told me there wasn't a script, I would have believed you because there are a bunch of human characters in this. Not one of them has an arc or anything that looks like character development. They purely exist to push the plot along for the next monkey versus lizard fight. But I will say the monkey versus lizard fights are really fucking cool. So um, it's kind of... You, you have to go into it setting your expectations at a reasonable level. I think um, basically the plot, and I will say this as someone who didn't see Godzilla: King of the Monsters, I skipped that one because I heard it was terrible. Um, so the, the plot is essentially Kong's in captivity on Skull Island. They have built like a Truman Show dome around him, and he's aware he's in it as well. <laughs> so he's like constantly throwing logs through the through the wall of bit rather <laughs> than the old uh, "in case I don't see a thing." Uh, he's not. He, he, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Um, and he's not kept captive due to uh, nightmares about his dad drowning. Um, and then, for some reason, there's like th- this might be from the previous movie, so I'm not going to criticise it too heavily. But for some reason, the scientists who kind of like run this dome are sending this little girl who speaks sign language in, who I believe was one of the natives who lived on Skull Island before something fucked it up, to speak, um, to speak, to, to speak Kong. to Kong. Yeah, which uh, I don't know. It seems unnecessarily dangerous to send a little girl yeah. in like yeah we can teach someone else sign language guys like there are other people who speak sign language um <laughs> but either way kong's in there godzilla is back fucking up the coastal facilities of shady cybernetics company uh apex cybernetics who are obviously the bad guys from immediately from <laughs> like they're, they're the bad guys um know, yeah, he was like a hero in the last film he killed Ghidorah and rodan and mothra and all that oh, like he, he saved the day basically um And, um, essentially the two of them we find out early on are both alphas, uh, which is, uh, and you know, if they're, if they're brought into contact with each other, they're going to fight because there can only be one alpha. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, totally aside from that scientists from apex cybernetics like we need to find this thing called hollow earth which is like an earth an inverted earth at the center of our earth where all the titans live because there's some energy source that we need for something it doesn't matter but basically kong can help them find the energy source so they need to take kong out of his truman show dome and let him guide them to the passage to hollow earth and unfortunately obviously that means godzilla's like oi oi kong's out Time for a time for a ruck, and uh, you know they have a bunch of fights. Um, that's really all you need to know. There there are some <laughs> there are some great fights in this movie. So the the one that was featured prominently in the trailer with uh, well, there's two really. So there's one in um, that takes place on like where Kong is being transported on literally just on the deck of a cargo ship. He's like lying yeah. out like a drunk on a sun lounger. Just 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 like uh, like <laughs> arm trailing in the water behind him. And he's like moving around he's not fully sedated either, so he's moving around a lot, which I I mean I'm not a navy man but i'm pretty sure that affects how boats travel when like a (laughs) 2000 ton monkey is just like like on the boat but whatever like that's irrelevant um there's a godzilla turns up and messes with a bunch of ships and then kong and him fight on like jumping around ships in the water that fight is really really cool um i will say the logic of jets in this world, I question. Because they always seem to be like, we're going to fire some missiles at these monsters, but we're also going to fly just close enough that they can whack us with their tail. And it's like, you're a jet you don't need to be that close you can fight you, you can you can fire these missiles from like two miles away guys don't fly close to them it's really simple um <laughs> but um uh, and then um, there's another fight in hong kong which is i i don't know what hong kong looks like apparently because it's presented this is this is like a, a kind of present day movie but it's presented at nighttime as this like neon paradise with like all these skyscrapers with like you know neon piping around them um it's awesome. I, I don't know if Hong Kong actually looks like that, but if it does, yeah, I'm not sure. It's amazing. Uh, the fight sequence there is is phenomenal. I will say as well that all of the fights in this are really cool. But it is a really dumb movie.
1: Okay, well that's what I expected from this. To be yeah. honest with you, um, I think that Alexander Skarsgard, um, as far as I remember, um, oh no, actually no, it's, it's his brother. I'm thinking of thank thank goodness for that. Oh, um, um,
0: the the one for, who plays it. I think his brother's the one who plays it. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the Bill Skarsgård was
1: was down to be in a film called The Northman, which is Robert Eggers yeah. who did The Lighthouse. Yeah, and I was really, I'm really looking forward to that film. Um, my wife actually worked on it, but I, but I know, I, I, I'm probably not going to say that, but you know, she worked on it. I'm not giving you any more secrets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm really, look, I'm really looking forward to that film. Uh, but I think Bill Skarsgård, according to the news reports, uh, Bill Skarsgård had to pull out of that film because of whatever reason. Um... I think uh, Alexander Skarsgård is still in it. Uh, so that's men, good. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was okay. worried there for a minute because I thought to myself, he didn't pull out of that film for this, did he? Uh, but no, no,
0: made he's still paper. in it. So I mean, uh, yeah. listen. I mean, he he could easily have made another film while he was making this because if he if he were in it, because his character, there's a bit at the end of this movie where he very touchingly says to the deaf. Um, native girl oh you're a brave kid all right and gives her a hug and i literally looked at my partner i was like this feels i i these characters have literally not spoken to each other in this movie up until to this point <laughs> like this is an unearned secret they are just hoping because i mean admittedly they have been in proximity to each other but i'm fairly certain they do not exchange a single line of dialogue or you know no. signed dialogue and they're just hoping we haven't noticed. um that's because they cut all the scenes out because they wanted more fights. Well, I think that is genuinely what I like. So this movie basically lives and dies on 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 its fight scenes, and then some really cool reveals. Like there there is a mo- So the, the one thing I will I will say in terms of the um, the non fight aspects of this movie that I really loved is the production design is just as stupid as the movie, but it's kind of in a knowing knowing way. So that, that like they they there are these ships that they need to. Uh, pilot to go through the portal to hollow earth um and the, they're called heave ships it's like it's, it's an acronym i don't know it stands for something uh heavy earth or hollow earth probably actually thinking about it alternate velocity vehicle let's say vehicle sure um but but like we don't know what they look like until they get in them and when they get in them this crew are wearing matching gold and black jumpsuits and the ships look like something out of like a 70s sci-fi like they've got red led piping along the sides um and loads of like blinking and lights got a little plexiglass... glass...
1: uh, domes. yeah yeah little well no not, not domes, domes
0: but the entire front is like plexiglass they look like some they look like ships out of a cheap 70s sci-fi which i was 100 <laughs> on board with and there is a big reveal which comes shortly after this where the score which is you know it, it like godzilla's theme is kind of reworked in these movies and and it's really cool the score is great but it drops that and brings in a bunch of synth wave as 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 there as a big reveal happens and it was it was a proper fuck yeah moment for me even as someone who doesn't really care um but yeah so the production design is great um the action sequences are great the plot is stupid Uh, They have to have these special ships that fly through the portal to get to Hollow Earth, but for some reason a monkey can just fall through it and be fine. Uh, (laughs) I don't understand. You can't ask any questions about this movie because you simply won't get answers. And I will say this again and again until I'm blue in the face. Millie Bobby Brown is not a very good actress. I don't know. She's so miscast in this movie. Uh, She's playing like a sleuthing journalist or something and and you know she feels like she should be played by a woman in her 30s who's you know got a, like a bit of a bit of world experience behind her she's a know. journalist well I don't know what she is she's kind of like a hacker journalist who's trying to expose apex cybernetics for being the shits they obviously are so she like her her plot line is basically her and her young friend from New Zealand uh, and this crazy conspiracy theorist guy are like sneaking into facilities to expose the, the plot basically um And it just doesn't work. Yeah, I don't know. It's listen it's a dumb movie she's she's
1: cast as a teenager in everything else she's ever done what? and in this she's like a little sleuthing journalist yeah
0: exactly like I, I mean maybe I just totally misinterpreted what her character's job is supposed to be admittedly her friend is clearly a teenager as well but I'm just like what I don't know why you're here Millie Broby around I feel like this this should be a role reserved <laughs> for like Amy Adams should be playing this role this is what Amy Adams does now it's like in all action movies she plays like a wisecracking journalist with a you know a, with a few miles <laughs> on the clock um, but yeah so that's, that's Godzilla versus kong i did enjoy it but go into it knowing how stupid this movie is going to be yeah it's just for the action basically yeah exactly okay awesome uh well talking of
1: just uh I i was gonna say talking just for the action but actually the next film i'm talking about is not just for the action okay uh and it's my last film of the week i watched three and this this film is actually uh continuing our journey in the mcu oh lovely um do you want to point conrad uh, do
0: you want to try and guess which one of so hold on you you did say you were skipping some, but your last one was Thor, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna say Captain America. Oh no, but no. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna say Captain America.
1: Ding ding ding. You've got it. So Captain America, the Jones Johnson, it's two-
0: good war movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we were, we were in the modern day with this like really rich billionaire guy who's really good at weapons for Iron Man one and two. Now we're in. Then we went to like a fantasy uh, god world in Thor. Yeah. Now we're in world war ii yeah. Uh, so and the sepia tone reflects it um so i think that i think that uh that was that was one of the negatives my wife had she said she didn't like the sepia tone she said it was too. It was too that's tropy. how you
0: know it's old
1: yeah, yeah it was too true it was too true yeah. in that regard but 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 actually i i, I agree with the sepia tone because yeah you, you want to make all the different worlds they're building in the mcu different yeah and uh and for me there's no real other one that's going to suit a sepia tone. No. You know what I mean? So you're going to have this, get the color scheme here, and then you can move on to other stuff later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this film, to be honest with you, I've only seen it a couple of times. It's one of the Captain America films, to be honest with you, are ones I've seen less. Um, but I have seen this one a number of times. Um, And I I, I really liked it. I, I honestly think that if I was going to rank um, the films... Of the the first four of the MCU, I think I would probably put this number two. I think the, I I like this better than Iron Man two. I think I think it's Iron Man first, and then this one, and then Iron Man two, and then Thor for me. I think that's how it would go. Interesting. But um, yeah, I I I did I do enjoy this. I I like the wartime aspect of it. I I like the story of Steve Rogers. I think I think they really did a fantastic job taking you from this little Weasley guy. Anyone who hasn't seen it, right? You probably know that Steve Rogers is Captain America. He started off as a little weedy guy, yeah. ninety pounds in weight. He he kept getting rejected from the army during World War II, even though he wanted to fight. Uh, and basically, he gets selected due to his um, due to his you know mental attributes. empathy and his mental attributes. He gets selected to there's no quitting him in the- No,
0: there's no quit in that dog.
1: There's no quit. There's no quit in him. Uh, <laughs> he he keeps getting knocked down. He always thinks he has people on the ropes. He's he's a great little fella. And oh. he gets he gets injected with this serum, yes. which makes him into a super soldier. Turns uh, him into Chris Evans. <laughs> turns him into Chris Evans. Yeah. And Chris Evans basically—I guess was, he had Chris uh,
0: Evans' they, head before. To be fair,
1: <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, just because he has this big monster, this uh, big uh, you know body now, and he's really strong, and he's fast, and he can swim really fast, and he can do everything really fast, he still isn't respected, and he still isn't let into the army. Really, he has to go. And just be basically like a face. like yeah. he, He's a bit like Uncle Sam. Like, I want you. And he just goes around. Captain America is sort of to get people to come into the army. That is until his best mate, Bucky, gets kidnapped. And he ha- he he defies orders and goes to save him. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you, Conrad. You said that there was a moment where you were like in Godzilla vs. Kong where you're just like, I know this is stupid, but fuck yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I have to say, when when we've had the whole film of him starting off as this little weedy guy, like, I know it's Chris Evans. I know it's the guy with a banana in his ass from another teen movie. I know it is, <laughs> right? But but when he has that little weedy body and he has, he has the heart and then he gets the body and he's still not allowed in the army and then he finally goes and he fucking kills like 200 Nazis, yeah. gets his friend back, gets back into the thing. All the soldiers who were laughing at him then say let's hear it for captain america and everyone starts cheering for him i'm gonna say conrad i was moved by it you know it, it is it, they they effectively built this character yeah and it's it's when you finish watching this film you forget that you've never you've never seen a captain america film before oh yeah i mean you know?
0: I, I this is, i think this movie is is great for that i think the the introduction of like the howling commandos like the guys who are like his his buddies and i like just the just that little kind of middle section of this movie where they're just fucking up nazis for like half an hour yeah. it's so good and it it's it's, it's um what, so there was two questions actually i wanted to ask you about this because i yeah. I, don't, I i loved this movie when it came out this is probably was probably my favorite mcu movie at the time um so first off, how, how does the chris evans pre transition look cuz i remember that looking weird in and. 2010, 2010 2011 when this 2011, came out 11 yeah
1: um, well, you saw you saw you saw the pre-production shots like but um basically um it worked okay it worked okay uh, like they it didn't look perfect okay. let's be honest it didn't look perfect you could kind of tell i think i think emo when we were watching it really honed in on what the issue was it's that chris evans jaw is too wide compared to the person they had playing it right yeah so he's he's like his mouth was like right next to his the side of his face. Yeah. Like when, when it, whenever they tracked his face on it, yeah. it
0: was like his face was too big. You know. Yeah. Um. I don't know how they could have fixed that, but I don't think there's a like, lot for... you can really do, to be honest. But yeah. I, I think it's. Um, I, I just remember it looking a bit weird. Like that. That feels like the kind of thing that's going to continue to age poorly as as time advances.
1: Yeah. Well, it didn't take me out of the film. like, it, it works. It does work. There are certain. His head just is a bit too big you know it it looks it's a little it's a little strange he looks more like he looks a little bit too childish because of his head being a bit bigger you know yeah um which sort of it doesn't really take me out of it so as i say I, i honestly conrad when i think back right we've got thor as a superhero we've got captain america as a superhero we've got iron man as a superhero i honestly this is how successful these films were i honestly can't remember my mind before uh, I knew about these superheroes. I as a, like I'm I'm not a, I, I didn't read all the comic books like other people. Like <laughs> you would you read a lot of comic books. Yeah. I didn't read all the comic books. Um, I knew Captain America existed. I knew Iron Man existed. That's all I really knew. Like bef- before these films, I didn't even know if his name was Steve Rogers. Yeah. Didn't even know his name was Tony Stark. And I'll, but as soon as you finish watching that film, you're as familiar with the superhero as you are Batman or Superman.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that is. That is something that gets lost, I think, a lot in the conversation about these, is how good a job they did at onboarding people to these characters. Because, as you say, like I I knew who Captain America was. Like, I read a lot of comic books. I played Marvel vs. Capcom, like the video games. I loved a lot of these characters. Um, And the balancing act they struck in a lot of these movies to keep fans like me I I don't want to say it like me because I wouldn't. I'm not the kind of person who'd have been like you ruined Thor um, if they didn't do it well. But you know, some people would have. Um, you know, yeah. to keep fans like that happy while also introducing millions of new fans to them is astonishing. I think. Um, and and I will say as well for 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 this um, for this movie in particular, I kind of loved Joe Johnson's approach to kind of introducing a fantasy element to the second world war um i think Mm. you see like the alternative to this in something like the first wonder woman movie where it's depicted in world war one and it's very very it tries to be very true to what the actual what World War 1 was like in a, in a less grim way but it's quite faithful whereas this you've got like the there's a moment in I can't remember why he's there but he's in like a town with a big church tower I think it's the first time he meets Red Skull actually and there's this huge tank that rolls up on him it's clearly not a real yeah. tank but it but there are these kind of cool fantasy elements that he introduces yeah. which I was really into because it's almost like an alternate history um almost kind of like a steampunky vibe that really appealed to me
1: yeah, 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 and they, they had, like, this really cool, like, way to differentiate, like, the Hydra Nazis from normal Nazis. Yeah. And it was it almost implied, like, you know, obviously Nazis were horrible, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not up.
0: pro-Nazis, let's just get that but out of they, the way.
1: They, they, they almost made it in such a way that, like, the Hydra Nazis were even worse, yeah. you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, they did. They're like, the Nazis are bad, but check
1: out these guys. <laughs> and, but that, that, we talk about, we actually, we talk about, um... What do you call him? Steve Rogers' head not really being the greatest in terms of aging. Well, in terms of visual effects, mm. Red Skull Hugo Weaving really, really still holds up. Oh, that's good great, to know. Looks great, and I, and it's such a striking image. Like yeah. they've such a good bad guy. I really liked him. I I, I thought it was really. I, I know I can't take credit for this. Ema is the one who t- who uh, realized it. Uh, Hugo Weaving plays Red Skull, otherwise known as Johann Schmidt. <laughs> Right, yeah, Schmidty. yeah, uh, very similar to Mr. Smith from The Matrix, wouldn't you think? So, it's like, so he plays Mr. Smith in The
0: Matrix and he plays Mr. Schmidt in <laughs> Mr. Uh, Captain America. I'd never thought about that. That's great. <laughs> Listen, like, he, yeah. like, he, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a disease, um, yeah.
1: So there you go. That's Captain
0: America. That's, really that's great. It. I'm glad you're still going through it. That's, that's one of my favorite ones. And I'm glad you enjoyed that because yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time actually, but when that came out, that was, that was for me, I think the moment where I was like, all right, I'm on board with these like Captain America. I've always loved, um, just cause I got a soft spot for a simple good guy. Sometimes. Yeah. I like Superman. I like Captain America. I also like the very edgy guys as well though. So I, I swing hard in both directions on that, but that's good to know. Yeah. Um, Cool, okay, so you said that was your last one. That's all I've got. Okay, so I'm going I'm to go through these last two quite quickly, because uh, one of them is a rewatch, and I- it's a movie that I really liked, although there's some things I didn't like as much about it on second watch. Uh, I think you've seen it, and the other one is a new movie. So I'll, I'll start with a new movie, and we'll end on a high note. Um, how do you feel about Eric Andre?
1: Oh, I <laughs> love his TV show.
0: Yeah. So the I,
1: Eric Andre show. Yeah, so
0: I I really like Eric Andre. Um I think he's really funny. I love his absurd kind of um, mm-hmm. a gross out form of humor. I think it's really it, it's very provocative and it works works really well. However, an hour and a half of it sustained with no reprieve at all is a lot. Um so a 2021's Bad Trip was It was an experience that I won't soon forget. I'm going to say that much for it now. But holy shit, was it hard to watch. And I know that's kind of the point. Um, So basically, what this movie essentially is, is a very loose narrative. Excuse me, a very loose narrative. Eric Andre's character, uh, Chris uh works in a a deli like a a, a smoothie shop or something and he's visited like his life is going nowhere he's visited by a girl from well now a woman from his uh high school who he's like she she, you know he he he's like tries to ask her out she says i'm going back to new york you should come look me up at my gallery um he takes that as a sign that she's the one that he's meant to be with um and so uh, this sparks a um an odyssey where him and his friend bud uh who was uh daniel kaluuya's friend in get out um mm. go on a cross-country road trip to meet the woman of his dreams again and this is essentially this is a very loose narrative that basically allows them to do a bunch of eric andre sketches with the members of the general public um where things go it, it get increasingly awful <laughs> for, for them i'm going to say um so, is
1: there an is there an overarching like message like there would be in like say Borat or something?
0: No, I mean the, the message is he's trying to get with this girl, um, and it's like a buddy road movie essentially. You know, he, okay. he and his best friend Bud, uh, you know, they have falling out, they get back together. It's very very generic the so, narrative. So he's not he's not like Oleg Andre's not
1: trying to make some sort of political statement with this. I don't I, know I don't in think the past, so. He's, he's touched upon that sort of stuff in the past. Um, he's just making it, he's just literally making like a romantic comedy. Yeah,
0: I'd like to say, yeah, it's basically a romantic comedy if every single scene took place around members of the public uh, and something awful happened, basically. <laughs> basically. Right. Okay, so, um, I I will say some parts of it are really funny. Um, I think there's a character pursuing them, because obviously you need an antagonist, uh, played Mm -hmm. by Tiffany Haddish, who is Bud's younger sister, who is in prison. I like Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, Yeah. she's really funny in this, and she gets basically all the actual jokes, I would say. Uh, She basically plays a convict who breaks out of prison in a very funny scene, where she drops out from underneath a prison van, and asks a man cleaning a wall to to, to help her, who's, you know, not involved. Um, And then she keeps on coming back and being like, trying to hug him, and then like prison guards keep asking him which way she went. It's, it is very funny. But um but she she's she's pursuing them because they've stolen her car basically. Um so she gets most of the jokes and there are some very funny uh, bits in this movie. Um but there's there there is Okay, so I, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna name some things that happen in this movie just to s- establish what kind of stuff you're expecting um, to see here. So this is in the first half hour of this movie. We have Eric Andre's character putting his hand in a blender in his um in his in his smoothie store or whatever with fountains of blood uh, spraying everyone (laughs) and him screaming Um, we have him uh, projectile vomiting over a crowd at a country and western bar Um, we have um, him and uh, his bride-to-be in a dream sequence assaulting a blind man in a park while everyone watches Um, and him being graphically sexually assaulted by a gorilla at a zoo after he decides to climb into the enclosure to take a picture of it Um, so that's that's the level we're we're dealing with um and that's only in the first half hour this is an hour and a half movie (laughs) it is um yeah it is an experience i I can say i won't soon forget it i can't honestly say i enjoyed it i think an hour and a half in one like steady stream is too much but there are funny bits in it. If you love Eric Andre, maybe check this out. But it's it is rough. I was watching like the whole thing through my fingers, basically. This seems so strange that like this type of comedy is getting
1: made into a film. Like this really seems like this is like this should have been made in like Tom Green's heyday. Yeah, you know it, I mean? it
0: feels like exactly that kind of movie, like a Tom Green gross-out comedy, um, just taken to another level because Eric Andre is willing to. Walk around a country in Western Bar, pretending to piss on people, and then the comedy comes from rednecks essentially threatening to to fight this this pair of black guys in a country in Western Bar in like Georgia, uh, and you know obviously and you know God. it's pretty fucking it's, it, and it's you know it's pretty realistic to be honest, um, <laughs> or like him going up and saying he's going to kill himself to uh, an army recruiter, and <laughs> and just like the guy just having to deal with it it is funny like there are funny bits but it's
1: where is this in the uk is this on prime
0: uh this was on i think it's on netflix actually i think i watched it on netflix yeah um i
1: I actually want to watch this like i say
0: if you really like eric andre you might enjoy it i didn't enjoy it there are bits of it that are enjoyable but holy shit it is hard to watch um Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah that's bad trip God be with you if you decide to watch that Um, so um, and the last movie that I'm going to talk about this is this is going to be uh, this is a different kind of comedy we're going to talk about here and i believe you've seen this movie uh correct me if i'm wrong um this is a rewatch for me my my partner basically revealed that she'd never seen uh spinal tap or any of the christopher guest kind of mockumentaries that uh, kind of uh, took a lot from spinal tap um and we had been watching uh schitt's creek i don't know if you, have you ever watched any of Shits creek
1: I've seen a few episodes. My wife, my wife is a fan of it, but I've watched a few episodes. Yeah, so
0: I, I don't love it, but but my my partner's really enjoyed it. So, uh, and I was talking about uh, movies with Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara as like the the leads, uh, which led to us watching uh, A Mighty Wind, the 2003 mockumentary directed by Christopher Guest of of Spinal Tap uh, fame, um, basically tells the story of a like folk music producer who dies, and his son wants to put on a big tribute concert and getting all these big acts back in town to to do it. Um and uh, it stars it's it's kind of an ensemble really. It's not really starring Eugene Levy and Katherine O'Hara, but they are um Mitch and Mickey this kind of like a couple who are romantically involved making music who broke up and they have to get back together. It's got Harry Shearer, um, and, uh, Michael McKean and Christopher Guest as a band called the folksmen who are like the legit kind of folk trio. Uh, and then it's got John Michael Higgins and Jane Lynch as the, um, the sort of clean cut pop folk act. And it is, this is a really funny movie. I have to say <laughs> like, it's, it hasn't aged badly for the most part. There are a couple of really badly dated jokes in it. Um, but uh, but a lot of the jokes are still great in this. I I haven't seen this. Oh, okay. Um, I thought I, I I thought I watched this with you, but maybe maybe I misremembered. No, no, this is this is
1: absolutely hilarious. Do you know what you watched with me? What's that? Windy City Heat. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I and mean, then maybe that's what I'm getting. Windy City Heat's a great movie as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the same kind of movie, I will say. But like, well, I guess it's a mo- that's kind of a mockumentary as well, or just a, It's kind just, of like it's, it's it's actually a bit of mixture between
1: that and also like the Eric Andre. Uh, yeah, real life I mean so, that is yeah, yeah that is,
0: that is just like yeah that is just like the Eric Andre thing like setting up horrific scenes for this person to to be abused in basically. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I mean this is this is like kind of a musical mockumentary, which I'm always a big fan of, particularly when the music is great, which it is in this. I I didn't actually check to see who wrote the music for this i don't i don't know if it's the same person who they got to do the music for for this is spinal tap um but the the relationship between eugene levy and katherine o'hara's characters is really sweet even though it's not romantic anymore and that's kind of mm-hmm. where the movie hangs its its emotional hat is is in these two kind of learning to um be creative and put put aside their differences despite the fact their relationship has kind of had to move on um and then beyond that, it's the it's really the ensemble cast, um, just getting ridiculous jokes that it that is uh, that is that is like kind of the core of the movie. So um, John Michael Higgins and Jane Lynch as like the clean cut guy and the former porn star who like kind of form their this this uh, this recreation of an old folk band are are fantastic. And Fred Willard, I've got to mention Fred Willard. He he's. When you when you have Fred Willard in a movie, you kind of know what you're getting from him because he's always kind of the same character and he's always fucking hilarious. Um so in this he plays like a kind of former shock jock slash child star. I mean, he wasn't even a child star, he's like kind of a, a young twenties star who had a couple of catchphrases and is well past his best and is kind of has kind of tagged along with this folk group. And all like throughout the entire movie, he's pitching these awful ideas for these acts to do, and 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 it's just it's stop comedy from him um yeah he, he is i i i I don't think I've ever seen Fred Willard in anything where I didn't love him frankly, yeah well, the
1: main one that's success for me is anchorman <laughs> so, yes yeah he's, he's great it. in anchorman yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I know what you mean. Like he always plays a very similar character. Yeah. His, his name in this is Mike Lafontaine.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he, he's got like really spiky hair. He looks kind of like a proto Guy Fieri almost in this movie. Although <laughs> Guy, Guy Fieri might have been around in two thousand and three. So you know, let us know in the comments. Was Guy Fieri around? He was definitely born. He was born. Definitely he born. was born. That's true. But had he had he been molded through the crucible of online? Actually, I don't even know what he got famous through. I guess he had a cooking show at some point
1: diners drive-ins and dives yeah that sure
0: <laughs> okay fine yeah well so had that happened in 2003 who knows i'm not sure if he'd went super saiyan yet by 2003 <laughs> Yeah, um, well, Fred Willard hasn't gone super saiyan either, but his hair is definitely gelled up, which for a man in his late fifties, as Fred Willard was at this point, is very funny. Uh, like, it's, <laughs> and wearing like Hawaii, open Hawaiian shirts with like a gold chain necklace. Um, he just has <laughs> he has no desire to make himself look anything other than completely stupid in this movie, uh, and it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, That's it's it, it's still very funny. The music's great. I will add a, a brief addendum to say. Um, that the folksmen include Harry Shearer, who, you know, a lot of people will know from The Simpsons as like the voice of Seymour Skinner and um mm-hmm. and a bunch of other deep voice characters. And and basically his character is played for laughs as oh he's he's kind of strangely effeminate for like the bass singer in this band you know he moisturizes his skin and you know he looks after his nails and then at the end of the movie or in fact actually in the ending credits like an epilogue in the ending credits it's revealed that he has uh, come out as trans and is now uh, now a woman and it's played completely for laughs and it's yeah. uh, it's one of those things where it's like oh mama that joke could do with not being in this movie anymore to be honest because it is yeah
1: it's like back in that era like even though it was only 20 years ago like it's not long ago that even the word tranny was acceptable oh absolutely
0: yeah like i i i it's interesting how much stuff has changed for the better i hasten to add in the last even 10 years probably Mm -hmm. like i look back to stuff that i found funny and and i I like i i kind of look at the lyrics of it now or you know the, the the makeup of the jokes now it's like jesus that is not aged well at all i can't believe we- that was okay um and this is a great example of that you know it's a really good movie um and it's a shame that it has that joke there because for the most part the humor in it is very innocent it's not really poking fun at anyone so it's this really kind of oddly mean-spirited joke that comes at the end of what is otherwise a really wholesome movie um yeah it doesn't doesn't ruin the movie You yeah know, i think i've been pretty open about the fact that i i think with stuff like this, you have to take it for the context of when it was made and obviously when something's uh, problematic elements outweigh its contributions to mm-hmm. that yeah. positive contributions, that's when you say, Okay, maybe we should stop celebrating this. And I, I don't think this movie has got to that point, but it is, you know, disappointing all the same, I will say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also think that the the fact the reason why when you're younger and you, fi- you find those things funny. Whereas when you grow older, you're like, how how is that acceptable? How did I find that funny? Yeah. It's li- it's literally just because at the time, you know, you were ignorant to yeah. to the fact. You didn't know anyone who was in that situation. You didn't hear stories of people suffering. And at the time, you just thought it was an abstract idea that yeah. you thought was a bit humorous. Uh, whereas as you grow older and you learn, one would hope that you're able to look at it with a more understanding eye. And therefore, you don't find the same thing funny again. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you realize that... The- Maybe, maybe like trans communities aren't, aren't the marginalized group you should be making fun of. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. target people who are a little bit better off. In, like punch in, up, yeah, yeah, dare. exactly. Punch up, maybe that would be a good idea. No. Uh, and and to be fair, this movie does plenty of that as well. But yeah, that joke does not land. It's a bad joke. I I didn't appreciate it at all. Well, when you punch up, it's satire. When you punch down, it's bullying. Yes, exactly. That's an excellent, an excellent turn of phrase, and mm. and an excellent way an excellent message on which to end this week's show, I'm going to say. We've we've punched up at Robert De Niro's career this week. Um, and hopefully, Bobby, if you're listening, we love you. Please go back to making good movies. Um, because <laughs> God love you. It's, it's like pulling teeth sometimes, getting through his the last 20 years of his career. Um, yeah. It's, so this is naturally going to lead us into uh, asking, as we always do, one simple question. And that is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? it's got to be Death Becomes Her great I'm going to watch that movie it sounds really good Um, my favourite movie is Goodfellas it goes without saying Um, join us next week please for another movie diary no more themed episodes for a little while I think we might have to talk about one off air we might have one in the pipeline we'll see we'll see what's what's happening but next week's going to be a movie diary Uh, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Ascarat for the use of our theme song you can find links to their stuff in the the thing down down there on on youtube thank you to you for uh listening if you haven't already please subscribe to us not not you Anthony, the to the listener <laughs> um <laughs> please subscribe to uh to us on the culture game on youtube or the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps if that is your preferred method of consumption and we will see you same time same place next week and cut